Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, we got a special guest. The Bible Bashed podcast has joined Evangelical Dark Web in a joint discussion on some very hard topics, some very uh, tough questions, which seems to be the MO of the Bible Bashed podcast. They ask some very unpopular questions, questions that you don't ever really think about or questions that you're not allowed to think about. And, you know, that's kind of how they've built a reputation uh, thus far. At least they're very, they're crushing on, on Twitter uh, and wanted to have them on. I've wanted to have them on for a while, but this week is a very interesting week to have them on uh, because with all that's going on with the Pearl Davis situation, I kind of see the Bible, bashed podcast is kind of like the antithesis of Pearl Davis, you know, thoughtful, uh, <laughs> biblic biblically grounded and kind of has a reason why they believe in based takes. And they ask a lot of the similar questions, but I think they're actually, there's a higher calling and elevated purpose to what's going on. It's not just for clout chasing, which, and the reason why I'm fascinated fascinated all of a sudden with Pearl Davis is I saw her interview on Jason Whitlock where she basically just said she's doing this for social media. She's doing this as a career. She wants to be successful on social media and popular. Like that's basically why she's doing what she's doing. And then Jason Whitlock, you know, confirmed that in his show after that, just breaking down the interview is like, okay, well, we need to point out some alternatives that are, you know, better for the culture. I think Bible bashed is clearly better for the culture. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be on. We definitely, um, yeah, I mean, definitely as a podcast, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to market ourselves in such a way that we're answering the questions that people aren't allowed to ask. And so we, we have gotten a lot of flack from that. I, one of the um, tweets that we just put out a couple of days ago, it, seems to be going crazy still so <laughs> we're doing the best we can to answer some of those questions though for sure now do you come up with the questions on your own or do you get submissions and then because of those submissions you posit them as in you know uh you're you're asking the questions for people or you're coming up with them yeah i mean so a lot of this is that i've done counseling for the past 20 years and so i know the things that people ask that they're you know i know the topics i know the topics that people are too afraid to go to so you know a lot of our podcast just started out with just trying to address those issues that mostly i you know you look around you see that i know that a lot of people have questions about these because they ask me all the time about this kind of stuff but then i don't see a lot of the big name people talking about these kind of subjects because they know that they're not really allowed to go there. You know, they know that they're not really allowed to talk about those kind of things. And so, you know, part of what we were doing at the very beginning is we're, we're really just trying to say, Hey, you know, I, I, I have a pretty good sense about a lot of the stuff that people want to know about. And, and I'm going to try to word our questions in such a way that we're going to, you know, get some kind of interest, you know, I mean, people might not ask, ask the question just like we're asking it, but they want to know about those topics. And, but what, what's kind of happened along the way is that, you know, at this point, people, they know that we're willing to talk about some of those topics. And, and so a lot of the stuff that we get is people sending us questions at this point, And we're just, you know, we're, we're basically just, um, rewarding it in a way that, um, I th we think we can get a good response with. So a, lo a lot of the stuff now at this point is just people sending us questions and we're 
I mean, and they're legitimately the questions that these people are too afraid to, afraid to ask themselves. And so we'll, we'll, we'll put them out there and see what we can get from that. All right. And I was about to ask, like, are you're not a layman? You're a pastor of some kind? Yeah, I'm an, I'm a, I'm a pastor, but I'm a bivocational pastor at this point. Okay. So I work a regular secular job at this point, but um, I'm I'm a, I'm essentially a counseling pastor and an executive executive administrative kind of pastor at my church. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it's interesting to note, you know, you know, who's behind this? Is it a layman uh, sure. doing this, or is it a pastor, you know, doing this? And, you know, it's just a curiosity that's kind of natural because, you know, on social media, there's a lot of, you know, laymen kind of asserting themselves, you know, sure. circumventing the whole big Eva, <laughs> you know, industry scheme. Like I, I would be included in that. Not that I'm anywhere close to maybe where I want to be in the future. But, you know, you definitely see, you know, people like William Wolf, who's, you know, just a seminary student who right. has a history in politics. He's crushing it. And, and uh, I see you guys asking some very crucial questions. Yeah. And... Was, a little bit about me. Yeah. I graduated from the master's college in California with a degree okay. in Bible. And then I went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary after that. And I, I've kind of been out of seminary for a long time. And I never, I never really maintained much of a social media presence because I just, um, you know, just busy with ministry, busy with life, busy with marriage and everything else. But I think, you know, around the, um, Right around the pandemic, I think we, it became very obvious to us that like the world's pretty messed up right now and people, people are pretty, um, pretty afraid here. And, it, you know, I'm not quite sure there seems, th things seem to be a little, um, out of control in certain ways. And, and, and that kind of provoked us to say, Hey, maybe we need to do a public podcast and maybe talk about some of these topics and help people to have a little bit more courage than they, they seem to have with the, you know, all this pandemic stuff. So, you know, I, I essentially, I'm, I'm not like, um, I'm a person who's been in the big Eva world and, you know, been around all these people. And, you know, I, I um, you know, I have an education, I have a, a master's of divinity with biblical counseling emphasis in these kind of areas. And so I've thought about these things for a long time. I just haven't been out in public trying to, you know, make a, make a, make a channel. But I mean, I, I think we, when you're looking at just the state of affairs and where we're at as a world, it seems like it's like people need to be more vocal. And I think uh, social media is a good, good opportunity. To and and to it also seems like it's the right time because a lot of dating conventions are being challenged, right. which is what we're going to talk about tonight. But there is one question I did want to ask. Yep. Uh, ahead of time, which is unrelated to the dating thing, but it was my original intent in bringing you on uh, months ago before I ever <laughs> reached out, but, you know, cause I'm trying to schedule things in advance. And that was the question as the, you know, does Jesus ever hate anyone or does God ever hate people? And then the specific narrowing focus on that was, does God, did Jesus hate Judas? Did Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, this is one of, because this is to me like I, I feel like this is a misconception because there are things you know the Bible does say hey God hates evildoers in the Psalms and stuff like that and then Jacob whom I loved Esau whom I hated yep and I yep. feel like if hated is going to be interpreted as rejection well who's ultimately rejected by God it's the reprobate right right and right. who's ultimately loved by God it's the elect right so I, I that's kind of how I see it but. 
I, I, I'm curious as to see whether I'm completely on like a foundation of sand or whether I have like some, I'm actually on to a more biblical or classical thought on this subject. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you, when you look at what the Bible says at this point there, I mean, there are some very clear, I mean, particularly in the Psalms, I mean, there are some very clear statements that say that God hates evildoers, right? So just an example of this, uh, Psalm 5 says, the, bos the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful men. And I mean, there's just, you know, it doesn't sound very Christian. It's one of those things that doesn't sound very Christian. It doesn't sound like... Um, something that God would do. And so what, what you have is you have a lot of people who haven't really figured out how to harmonize like that kind of passage with John 3.16 and, you know, just other passages like you're talking about, like Jacob, I've loved, Esau, I've I hated. And so what they end up doing is you, you have a lot of people who they have this view of God that he just unconditionally loves everyone, you know, and, and a lot of it's just based on this view of fairness. Like it would, it would be unfair if God would you know, love people in different ways. But then, you know, we really haven't thought about what it means for God to love people in general. And we, we don't really have a good understanding of what that means. And so part of it is like, does he love people? Does he, does he hate specific people? And that's the question you're, ans you're asking. And I would say, yeah, obviously he does. Like he does. He hates all evildoers. He says it, you know? So, but then on the other, but what you have to do is you have to figure out, well, what, what does that say about his love? Right. Because we've been taught that he just loves everyone. And so, you know, I, I think that when you think about what it means to love, there's just different senses of love in the Bible. And if you could get your mind around how he loves people, it helps you to understand how he hates people, if that makes sense. So like, meaning like I, I don't love everyone the same. And if you try to love everyone the same, you're going to fail. That's the problem. So you can't love everyone the same. So like, imagine like, I don't know how much money you have in the bank, but like, let's just, just imagine you took all of your money and you were divided up into pennies and try to love everyone equally. Well, what you'd end up doing is you'd end up walking around and handing out pennies to people and you'd run out before you get to everyone, probably in your state even, right? <laughs> so you probably wouldn't even be able to give everyone in your state a penny. And the problem is if you gave someone a penny, they wouldn't feel like that was an act of love. Do you understand what I mean? Right. They wouldn't think you love that was love. They would think you're a cheapskate. Right. So like the issue is, though, you actually have responsibilities for what you're going to do with that money. And, you know, me, I mean, I'm married. I have five kids. If I took all of my family's money and I tried to love everyone equally, that would be an act of hatred for my family. You see what I'm saying? Right. Because I'm taking all the money that's owed to them and I'm trying to give a penny to each person. And so whatever I'm doing, like the, the issue is you can't like fundamentally, like as a human being, you can't really love everyone the same because if you love everyone the same, love becomes meaningless, right? So if I tried to love every woman the same, that would mean I would probably get divorced pretty quickly, right? So so like the idea of love is that like love is special I mean, when it's particular. American rock music, ha you know, has a meaning for love that is a euphemism. So you know, there's a right, right. Thing. So I can't, I can't love everyone like that, right? If I tried to love every woman like that, I would be divorced. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, so the issue though is that like when when God loves, like God shows kindness to everyone. Like the rain falls on the just and the unjust. 
God gives everyone like common grace. So God has right. Like common God grace. is good to everyone. God is good to everyone in a way that they don't deserve. He gave them life. He gave them health. You know, he gives them strength. He gives them like they deserve to die immediately. Right. <laughs> they don't deserve life. They're death row inmates. They don't deserve any of the grace that God shows them. So God loves everyone in the sense that he gives them grace. He gives them like blessings. He blesses everyone. He gives them what theologians call common grace, but he doesn't love the, everyone in an electing sense, right? So he, he, they're not all like family to him. Like he doesn't love them as family. And you know that because hell exists and people are going to go there. So hell exists. People are going to go there. And like, he doesn't love them in a salvific way. He loves them in a general way, right? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So, yeah. So, so, but then like, so he shows mercy to everyone. But then like he has he is he's a holy God and he has a holy hatred for sin. And because he has a holy hatred of sin, it's not just like you can't just like retreat to some cliche and say, hey, like, um, you know, God, God loves the sinner and he hates the sin. Well, no, he's merciful to everyone. He shows common grace to everyone. But Jacob, does he love and Esau, has he does he hate? Um, and the issue is the only way he's able to love Jacob is because because of what Christ did on the cross to to forgive Jacob's sin right so he he has like an electing love for his people that's based on what Je based on what Jesus did it's not like intrinsic to them so when people think about love they just think about it like in a very therapeutic like um i love you therefore i i affirm you like everything that you are as a person or something along those lines but that's just not the way god is god god has a holy hatred for sin and the sinner and it's that hatred that's going to send them to hell and the only hope that they have of of not experiences just wrath and hatred towards them in that way is to be found in jesus so i mean there's a lot more you can say with it with that but that that's a short answer is just to say that there's a way to reconcile it basically Awesome short answer. Almost ten minutes. Um, <laughs> that's that's as short as I get. <laughs> I'm too long winded. Uh, man. Awesome. So at that note, I'll say uh, smash that like button since we've climbed a bit more in uh, live stream viewers or Rumbles or whatever it is on there. We're on YouTube, Twitter, Rumble, and Twitch. If anyone's ever on Twitch watching this, um, and along those lines, the main subject I wanted to tackle tonight was dating. So obviously sure. this is going to be more interactive with the chat so you can send in live questions, but I kind of wanted to format it like standards for men, standards for women, uh, you know, kind of go back and forth on that. So I guess men should kind of lead on this one first and what sort of standards should, you know, women have for men? Cause you've been asking a lot of questions, you know, cause obviously it's when you go, you know, talk about standards for women. That's when a lot of controversy starts. <laughs> but what they exactly are yeah. reasonable uh, standards for women to have in finding a man? I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the delusional woman calculator that's on the internet. It not... calculates how delusional a woman is based on her uh, choice in man. Right. And you, you see some pics. It's like, you know, six foot. Six <laughs> figures, yep. um, not fat or uh, and uh, not married and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, the percentages really go down to, you know, single digits, if not even below 5%. Right. And right. the fun thing about the calculator it rates it by cats or like cat food or something. So it's like, 
You know, so if you have, you're a five star delusional, category five delusional, you know, you're super cat lady or something is basically what it is. So, you know, but what what exactly is reasonable? Are height requirements a reasonable expectation for women to have on men, or is it natural but not reasonable, or is it uh, unreasonable and unnatural? <laughs> I think it's very natural for a woman to want a man who is taller than her. So, I mean, obviously God's designed men and women in such a way that men are, you know, w women are the weaker sex and women are smaller than men on average. And I mean, that's just a biological reality that's baked into the fabric of, you know, creation itself. I mean, just to think, I mean, um, height in men is uh, tied to attractiveness. Uh, and this is just kind of the way that God made it. And so, you know, Saul was described as handsome. And the reason he was described as handsome is because he was a foot taller than ever or a head taller than everyone else of the Israelites. And, and part of that's just like related to basic biological realities. So like if you have like, um, like if you have a well-trained big guy and a well-trained small guy, the big guy's going to win. That's just the way it works, right? So, like, I, in in terms of just like fighting, you know. So like, we have weight classes for a reason. We have weight class, classes for a reason. So, um, you know, I um, I knew how to fight growing up, and you know, I could take a lot of guys who were a lot taller than me. But the reason why I could take them is because I I knew how to use my weight, and I I, I knew how to use like body momentum and everything else. But then, if you were to put me against like a guy who's just like way taller than me, way stronger than me, who who equally knew how to ha handle himself, I'd lose, you know I mean? That's just the way it works. And so that, that's what weight classes, uh, like that's what they mean. And so like the idea that like a woman would want a guy who's taller than her, just that in of itself is just, it's like, yeah, that's just the way God's made it. God's made the world in such a way that men are taller than women and a woman like she's, you know, whether or not she's allowed to admit it. I mean, I know that like action movies teach women to think that, you know, they can beat up a man, but that just, that's not possible. <laughs> I mean, have you, have you seen the woman King? I, I don't think I have. Is I have big? never seen such accommodating stunt men in my life. Oh, okay. All like right. it is so obvious how accommodate, how it's much accommodation is being made for a 110 pound girl okay. to be beating up grown men. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing that is really, um, like it's just anyone who knows about fighting and how fighting works. You look at a woman, you say like, she has no prayer. I mean, I don't think three women could beat me up. I mean, when I was in, like when I was young and when I was in shape, it, it like, it wouldn't happen. Like, it's just impossible. You know, like, I don't, I don't care. Like it's, it's, um, it's just not the way the world works. And so I think there's something about like ladies, they like, we can pretend like they're strong and, and courageous and all this stuff. But like, when it comes right down to it, they know they need a man to protect her. And like, that, that's what they that's what they're geared towards i mean i did a poll on that on twitter like like asking if a woman if height should be a requirement and the numbers were like all like well no one wanted to say it but then i, I did another poll that was like t like are you in a relationship where the man is taller than the woman and it was like 95 percent. it was 95 percent. and so that tells you that this is something that's just hardwired into the fabric of creation now i mean like there's something deeply wrong with that four foot ten girl who wants the six foot guy like come on wake up you got to help those guys out who are a little bit shorter okay you got to help them out you can't you can't you can't <laughs> stay in like, your lane stay in have, your weight class have mercy on the short guys okay like come on like six foot what are you thinking like what's wrong with i you? mean maybe so, it goes the other way around but that's on the internet that's called snoo snoo I, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not up with the terms, but, um, 
No, no. I, I think if a lady wants a man who's taller than her, that makes sense because that's just the way that God. I mean, that's just big. That's just the way it works, man. Like, so. But if she wants someone who's six foot, like that's that's when she's four ten, that's crazy. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I get. I, I get why she wants it. Europe, I'm a, because they use the metric yeah. system over there, and yeah. you know, centimeters of feet. I don't know if they have like a hard line. You got to be this many centimeters mm. to get on the ride or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like in America, we have the six foot because the six, you know, the seventy second right. inch is very prestigious, <laughs> and or seventieth inch. Uh, no, whatever, uh, whatever six feet is, um, very prestigious. Seventy two. Yes, seventy seven. Yes, I was right. Um, so very prestigious 72nd inch in height. And I don't know what that translates to in Europe, but it seems very, uh, very much a cultural ingrain that, you know, that that's sort of like a graduating milestone. And a lot of these people probably couldn't tell six feet just by yep. looking at it most, on the surface. Yeah, I mean, most guys want a girl who's shorter than them. And most girls want a guy. I mean, you know, it needs I mean, most guys. That's just the way it sorts it out. Like, you know, give it, give it a three or four inch difference or something like that. And if she can wear heels and be, you know, shorter than him, then, you know, that's just what people want to some degree. Now, I mean, if the four foot 10 girl wants the six foot guy, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if you're starting make, starting to make that a non-negotiable, then you need to, you need to wake up a little bit and realize, uh, realize what you're doing. But, but I, so I think the height things, I think they're just normal, natural, uh, I, I can't remember all the options you gave. I think that's normal. I think that's natural. You probably don't want to, you know, blow it way out of shape. But I, I think everyone's going to gravitate towards that way, whether or not they're allowed to say what they're doing uh, to some degree. You know, 95% of people based on our poll, and we got a lot of numbers on that, 95% of the people like like the husband was taller than the wife. And so that's just. I, I mean, I, I am part of that statistic. Yep. Um, so people are going to do it regardless of whether or not you, you say they're allowed to, they're going to do it, you know? So it's just kind so of a law. In the same line of thinking, what about income? Income. Yeah. I, Cause I feel like this is where we get some major, uh, delusions of grandeur. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I, I understand the height, but the, the six foot thing is a little, you know, that that's just an arbitrary <laughs> number that yeah. they set. But, uh, the, income thing i think this is where delusions of grandeur set in because you know i don't know what myth people are living in where they can get a job fresh out of college but you know it ain't reality in the united states yeah um, so you know you're not going to get you know fifty thousand dollars straight out of college in most cases yeah why well, in, in the united states so a lot of these girls i feel are you know you you watch the you know the, the videos on you know man on the street how much income do they need and i mean some of this is done in high inflation areas but at the same time you see a general trend of these people want a lot more income than is available yeah so i'm i'm probably gonna push against this a little bit in both directions so i may be a little bit surprising in both directions but um I think part part of the issue with what rubs people, what should rub people wrong about the ladies who want the you know six figure incomes or whatever, I think part of what should rub them wrong about that is those ladies uh, refuse to be held to any standard whatsoever on their own end, like meaning like they refuse to like what what's happening is you have like ladies who if you like they totally reject any notion of the fact that they exist in order to be physically attractive for men. Right. Uh, 
So they reject any of that. Like they will not hold themselves to any standard. They're basically like, you must accept me for who I am, no matter how hard I try and just take me as I am. And so then when they have these un, like crazy standards towards men on the other side, it just looks like the height of hip hypocrisy. It's just like, what are you thinking? You know, like you refuse to hold yourself to any standards, but then you expect men on the other side to be held to this like ridiculous one percentile kind of standard. So I, I think that's the issue that rubs that should be rubbing people wrong. But then I, I do think that there's um like I think guys should put a lot more thought into providing than what they do and like the idea that a woman would want to be well provided for you know, if she, if she's going to be a homemaker if she's going to be a stay-at-home homemaker who is re relying on this man's income to live and relying on this man's income in order to provide for extra kids as well like that requires a lot of money and i would say like you know, I, I think it's so what I'm trying to say is I think it's reasonable to want a man to have a life plan that he like he knows what he's doing. He's ready to provide for two plus one. Right. And he's not just like, we'll figure it out along the way. He's ready to do that. I think that that's perfectly reasonable, like for them to want that. And I think a lot of guys are not taking that role as seriously as what they should. Like meaning, um, I mean, I know a lot of guys who are like, just like, hey, they're still living in their mom's house and they don't even have a home and they don't really have a good life plan and they're making minimum wage or something. They're like, Hey, let's get married. And you know, they're just not thinking through what they're doing. So I think, so, you know, six figures, uh, I think that's probably depending on where you're at. That's probably asking too, way too, way too much, you know? So I, I have a reaction along those lines. It's like, who do you think you are? You know, but then a lot of that, who do you think you are is because those same ladies refuse to hold themselves to any, like they refuse to be the kind of person that that six figure guy wants them to be too, if that makes sense. Right. And we'll yeah. talk about hoflation in a second. Uh, <laughs> and because you bring up an interesting point, but it's understandable that women, women want a hard worker. They want someone who's going to hold a steady job. Like I sure. think, you know, this part is natural because I think men are designed to work. You see that back in the garden of Eden where, you know, Adam had a job. Sure. Eve was to be his helper in that. And then the curse, the fall of man was that the work would be toilsome. Like we sure. would toil and labor. So that work is natural. So women should want a man who is working, you know, being unemployed and living with your parents' house, you know, a la George Costanza style, style, you know, is not exactly attractive. But, you know, there is a point where, um, you know, these standards of I need X amount of income is really just a a manifestation of the urge to delay marriage. The, you know, instead of getting young or married young before you really have money and then and thus grow into uh, a life of increasing luxury, it's I need to have that on as yeah. a condition, a prerequisite for getting married in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd want to distinguish between two different types of things. Like, so part of what you're talking about is um, like you know, a lot of young people go into marriage and they think that they're going to have the same standard of living as their parents have immediately, you know, first day of marriage. And that's part of what you're talking about. And I think that that's totally unrealistic. And often what they do is they get themselves in a bunch of credit card debt in order to do it and just make their life like, or, you know, credit card debt or put everything on credit. And it's just, they make their life really hard, like doing that kind of thing. So you have to, like, 
like that's a very like we do need to encourage young marriages uh, it's it's um you know i mean it's it's one of those things where you know you take a person filled with hormones at 16 and you ask them to wait you know 12 years in order to get married or something like that and it's like that's just a recipe for, for disaster so that's not good uh, but then at the same time, I do think that a lot of young people need to count the cost better too. And so that factors in. So, I mean, uh, you know, Luke 14, 28 says, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has not to, enough to complete it. And I think, I think a lot of this is about like the college education system has just failed everyone in this regard by giving them just a generic degree that isn't going to lead towards a career. And so then a lot of people have been sold on this lie that like, hey, you get this degree and this degree is going to guarantee you a career. And it's just like, hey, I got a general, you know, um, general education degree. You know, I got a, I got a general art degree, whatever. There's nothing I can do with this. And, and then they come out, you know, they come out of college with functionally no skills whatsoever with just a bunch of useless knowledge. And they don't really know what they do to do with that. So my, my impulse, though, is is to try to encourage people to like when they're younger is to think in terms of a career path and not so much in terms of just getting a degree. And so I think I think so I would encourage men to think like, hey, what is your practical plan? You need to put more thought into like how you're going to provide. Um, and then and then you everyone needs to like what you're saying, lower your expectations, like in terms of like your standard of living coming out of school, get married early with a clear plan, right? With a clear plan uh, and think about what you're doing and be ready to provide for two plus one. I mean, that uh, plan is going to change. It's going to, yeah. you know, speaking from experience, having sure. gotten married early, that plan's going to change, but you I know, think it will. I think it will. But like, if a lot of people pursued trades or something like that instead of a generic college degree, uh, then got a somewhat generic college degree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the generic college degree, like, what the best part of the problem is that people have been sold on the generic college degree, and it's like that's not a good plan, you know. And and then, but I mean, like, if you were to think, hey, I'm going to go be a plumber or something like that, I can make good money being a plumber. And part of that's just like everyone needs to realize that, um, you know, not everyone's made made to be like a doctor or whatever else, or a lawyer, it's just like, Hey, yeah, you go be a plumber and you can make, you know, 60 K coming right out of, you know, trade school and not get into a hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt. And so, I, so I, you know, part of me is just like, I want men to be wiser too and be ready to prepare, be prepared better. And I think college, the college education scam is really shooting a lot of people in the foot with that too. But yeah. yeah, I mean, like if a lady just, but the point here is just to say, if a lady just holds herself to no standards whatsoever, and then expects some guy to come along and make, you know, be six foot tall and make six figures, it's like, hey, yeah, you need to wake up for sure. So switching gears, because I think we touched on the two biggest things that women yep. look for in a guy. And that is the height and the income. Uh, income that that's just statistically those are tall, dark, and it. handsome, right? Uh, actually, you know, we should talk about the interracial component in a while, in a, <laughs> a little bit as well. Um, I, I've been trying to make a meme about it that's going to be super offensive, but it's very true. Like you, you definitely see in TV, movies, and everything, they want the domineering black female <laughs> with the milk toast white guy yeah this mild-mannered soy white guy it's yep. like that is like in everything it's just insane like how much that trope is in every single or is being just pushed into the media it's like it i i think it's interesting 
Mm-hmm. But it, and then like the other thing on racial interracial dating is that the Asian girls get like everything. Like they're like the most welcomed group. <laughs> Welcome group. group of and all. then unfortunately, I think the Asian Asian men are like the uh, unfavored, which I think that'll change in their favor a little bit. But I think it'll trend in that direction in their favor. But they're statistically they're like the most disadvantaged, I guess. But we can talk about that later, lest we get accused of kinism so early in the in the mm-hmm. uh, thing. Because I wanted to switch over to the men, you know, what men expect out of a woman. Sure. And you know, obviously, we can bring up the fact that pornography has definitely distorted people's views. Uh, we could talk about, but let, let's kind of get the baseline for what exactly are the standards? Because I think the standard is simply attractiveness is number one. Sure. Physical attractiveness. And I don't know if there's a close second. And because, again, it's not just for me. It's just, you know, generic guy, because obviously we talked about with women, it's height and income. Uh, But for the generic guy, it's going to be attractiveness is number one. Space bar, space bar, space bar. Maybe you get values and stuff like that. Personality, (laughs) hobbies and special interests would be down below. But men aren't looking for, you know, income is not really a factor. Sure. Uh, statistically speaking, and I don't think height's a factor, but that might factor into attractiveness. But it, it, that's you know, men are simple. But sure. what exactly defines you know who's attractive or, or not? Like how how reasonable are a lot of these expectations in modern day? Yeah. Well, I, I think the offensive. I mean, the offensive thing is that guys would want a lady to be attractive at all. That's kind of the offensive thing. And people don't, people aren't really willing to accept that. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I think as you look at the Bible, the Bible gives a mixed perspective on this. Uh, it, most people are familiar with just the verses that say, "Charm is deceitful, beauty is fading, but a woman who fears the Lord will be pra- uh, will be praised." And so, a lot of people, I, I do think that when you think about like what people should be looking for, and that's not necessarily what we're talking about we're we're kind of talking about what is okay to be looking for obviously people should be looking primarily for godliness that should be it but then if you were to say hey you know is physical attractiveness is that a reasonable thing for men and that's that's kind of the area you're going with and i I would just say well overwhelmingly as you read the bible it's just like the bible is very anti-feminist in this way like i mean god literally describes women like one of the main adjectives you see to describe women in the Bible is that they're beautiful. It's like the first thing that's said about them, you know, when they're introduced as characters in the story, right? Is that, uh, you know, Esther like, is super beautiful, right? Or... Esther is beautiful. You know, like uh, Rachel, like she is beautiful in form and appearance. Um, you know, Bathsheba, she was a, you know, she was beautiful. Like, um, she was a beautiful ask, woman. Is she a gold digger or a rape victim? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Which how to take give a... is more biblical? I think that there's enough in the Bible to tell you that she was, I mean, she was definitely looking to get Solomon on the throne and he got on the throne. And, you know, she was a co conspirator at the very least, meaning like when, um, she Uriah. sends word, she sends word to David that you're, that she's pregnant. She doesn't tell Uriah. And that tells you she's in cahoots with David, you know? So like, and, and if you think about it, like if you want to think about like um, Bathsheba at this point, 
you have an example of a rape victim in the Bible. That's Tamar. That's David's like uh, two chapters later. Yeah, you do. And she says, please don't do this wicked thing. The Bible makes like it very plain that she says, don't do this wicked thing. Uh, you know, and then when he does, he asks her to you know make it right, so to speak. But then with Bathsheba, there's nothing like that. He sees her bathing out, you know, in public and like she she's with him the whole way along. And she is the chief wife, you know, from that point on. And Solomon gets on the throne. So this is not what she, the Me Too crowd is saying. Cunning, and that's kind of where I think that she was. But the evidence would tilt in favor of gold. The, the issue is she had a she had a, a responsibility to cry out and say no, and she didn't. And so you can't view her as just in the same way you view Tamar, because right, because the Bible makes it very clear what, it, and that's even spelled out in the law. You know, like the woman has to cry right. out, and like that's just not in that story. But you know, putting that all aside, I mean, like the Bible does, um, like it it makes female beauty like. Women are described as beautiful over and over and over again. You read the Song of Songs, and he's constantly saying, you're beautiful among women. Beauty, 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 beauty. Like, that's there. Like, men are made visually to admire women's beauty. And ladies, they don't even, they can't even understand how different we actually are. Like, how much men are made to be physically attracted to women in this kind of way. They just, it's just like... um it does not compute to them. I mean, you can just see ladies online, they, they'll dress immodestly and everyone's like, hey, you need to stop. And they just can't understand. It's just like, well, hey, just don't, you know, don't look or whatever. It's like, well, why are you posting these things online if, you, if you're not wanting attention from this? Uh, but like the issue is the like, men are made to delight. I mean, women are made as works of art. You just look at men. They're not made as works of art. They're not the made to man, be free. The man's body is utilitarian. It is. I mean, he, I mean, obviously because he's made to work the ground, right? And so like, if you think about the way the Bible presents men, men are, are made to be strong on the outside, strong in their brains, like strong on the inside. Women are made to be beautiful on the outside. And then they're made to make everything beautiful. And that's really what women do. They, they make the world a more beautiful place. Like they, that's why they're to be keepers at home is it's grounded in their role of being beautiful and beautifying everything around them. So then when the feminists get a hold of that, what happens is the feminists look at that and they say, Hey, I don't exist, you know, for the male gaze to be objectified and to be rated and to be, you know, viewed in this way and like that's just like what feminism is is it's a rejection of beauty that's what it is it's a rejection of a woman's um created purpose to be beautiful and to be like a work of art and to be lovely and so like the idea that a man would love like to like want a beautiful woman like that's just painted all over the pages of scripture it's all over there you know don't desire her beauty in your eyes in the proverb uh, don't desire her beauty in your heart in the proverbs because that's how men are made and so men are made to be visual they're made to say hey she's pretty pretty you know even in like the law you'll see if you see a beautiful god says if you see a beautiful woman among the the captives and you desire to take her as your wife then there's a prescription to follow but the idea is god knows how he made men he knows that they're going to try to find a beautiful woman and he that's the way he made him and he's saying you're going to do this and when you do and there's nothing wrong with that you know so i don't think people have to overthink that like men should like the men are made to desire beautiful women and like they shouldn't apologize for that and they shouldn't be like embarrassed by that now i mean obviously with men looking at porn like and men looking that distorts at what beautiful is to them Right, right. So I mean, it. it um, um, 
well, there's different directions you can go with that. But um, I mean, because in one sense, I'll just go in one sense. In one sense, we have all this movement towards implants and let's get fake lips yeah. and there are DSLs, as the Internet calls them, and fake butt implants and boob implants and all this other stuff to kind of like artificially enhance the femi femininity. Yes, but yep. it you know, generally, I, I think sometimes you can do it and you know pass it off but generally at least in the porn industry for sure it's meant to look clownish cartoonish sure, sure. all right so i think what, what what you're dealing with a lot of those things is you're dealing with exaggerations of reality but then what you don't want to do is say that they're not pointing to something real essentially does that make sense Right. Yeah. So like, it, like with Leah, the Bible says Leah, her eyes were weak. Right. Yeah, but then like meaning like they're delicate, they're pretty, like Leah had pretty eyes, but then the Bible says of Rachel, she was beautiful of form and appearance. And you know what that means? Like, like every guy knows what that means to say she was beautiful of form and appearance. A picture, you know, in the mind appears. Yes. Yeah. She had an hourglass figure. She was womanly, right? She was shapely. She was shapely as a woman. So like, I think a lot of, um, like what you don't want to do is um, like, I, I don't think you want to say that um, like, you know what, like a, a woman who looks like a woman looks like, and you know, like what a girl who looks like a boy looks like. And so I, I think like God's made women um, like there is a, like a natural woman shape that is the opposite of a man shape. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Like man's made to be strong, right? He's made to be straight, you know, woman's made to be curvy and everything else. So, so part of what's happening is that like, you know, porn and all that, like they're exaggerating, like they're exaggerating reality, but then you don't want to lose the fact that reality is reality too. Does that make sense? Right. I'm you, not sure, uh, you know, DSL lips are exactly a tr pointing to reality, but obviously, uh, <laughs> no, what what I mean no. is like they're exaggerations. They're 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 right. they're caricatures of reality. But then, like like the idea though that like um, so like you know if you were just to put it crassly, like if a guy likes you know, woman to have um a bigger chest than like Solomon, be a, right right. So in the Song of Songs, right, like the woman was insecure because like she had no breast, right. So like the issue is because she, because we know that femininity is found in the in the differences. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Right. And so those are true. So so I, I, all I'm trying to say is like I think some of this is like men are just they're obviously going to be attracted to womanly women. Right. And then porn and all that, like it exaggerates it and makes it unrealistic. And, you know, you can add anime and things like that to it where it's all just exaggerated. And I mean, anime is kind of like your pipeline to pedophilia. Right. So it's the all Wally concept. Yeah. So it's all exaggerated. It's all uh, unrealistic. And then what you can have is, I mean, you can have a guy who, you know, like he's looking at porn and he's addicted to porn and he has got it in his mind because all the women he sees like are porn stars that somehow he's, he, him living in his parents' basement, like haven't taken a shower in three days or, or something along those lines. He and doesn't have a job that he's going to find some woman who like on the attractive scale as some kind of nine or something like that, like, or, or whatever. And it's like, Hey man, like you're doing the same thing that the woman is doing who wants a six foot guy with a six figure income. Like you're not that kind of man. <laughs> okay. That's going to, um, um, like you have to, you have to understand yourself. And so part of this discussion is all about like, um, how has God made you, you know? So it did. 
and this is something that's like just deeply offensive about the whole discussion is that God didn't give everyone like 10 talents of attractiveness. God didn't give everyone 10 talents of charisma. God didn't give everyone 10 talents of intelligence, right? But you're not allowed to say it. Like, you know, but God, I mean, some, God made some people like gave them one talent of looks, you know, and, and he gave some five and he gave some 10 and, you know, whatever else. And so like these, like, you can't just pretend like everyone, you know, just because you want something that you like, that you deserve it or that it's, you're, you're fit for it, you know, in that way. So I think people, um, so some of this is just, yeah, you, you need to understand who you are, you understand how God made you to be. And if you're holding out for some kind of unrealistic standard of beauty, uh, you know, like, I mean, if, if as a guy, you know, just to use the guy scale, I mean, if as a guy, you're like a five or something like that, you think you're going to hold out for a nine or something. It's like, you need to wake up, man. Just like realize you're, what you you're, are. Best you can do is a seven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you may be able to get a little bit more, you know, but you need to realize where, you, who you are, you know, uh, realize how, like, how much talents God has given you, you know, and you're not really allowed to talk about those things because it's just enraging to a certain kind of person. But I mean, it's just, you know, God, God's given people different talents and you need to understand which, what, what, how much he's given you, you know, in certain ways too. Now, one of the things I tweeted earlier and it could get you in trouble, but I'll, I'll say what I did. Uh, I tweeted out because you know, who Zendaya is right. Uh, the, um, Spider-Man girl. Yeah. The, the insufferable uh, Mary Jane, who's not really Mary Jane. Um, I, I basically tweeted out, like, she's the type of girl that gay men in Hollywood find attractive because, <laughs> like, like how many... I don't remember the last time someone was, like, so forced on, oh, she's the most pretty thing ever. Like, no. No. So, so but, I think... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, like, I'm like... But you see that there is a history of this. There is a history where, like, you know, gay men in Hollywood are influencing beauty standards. And it's like these not feminine women are being pushed yeah. out. And, you know, that's kind of where a lot of the anorexia problems come from. But that's, you know, a topic for another day. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think that that's part of why um, that kind of thing is part of why I was even uh, trying to qualify the former discussion, meaning like there is such a thing as femininity in the Bible and like a stick thin boyish looking girl is not um, very womanly like in that way. And so like guys are, you know, guys are going to like what, what they're made to like and what guys like, I mean, you're not really allowed to talk about this kind of stuff because the moment you start talking about this stuff, people just get very, very uncomfortable. But then the problem is the Bible talks about this kind of stuff. Like it does. In, like meaning like like the like God like compares Rachel and Leah. And the way he compares them is that Rachel is beautiful of form and appearance. That's what it says. And like the the issue is like if you think about objectively what's happening, like the woman who is um more of a contrast to the man is going to be objectively viewed as more womanly. Like that's just the way it works. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's about like the contrast. Like, so what are the differences between men and women? Hip ratios, right? Chest. <laughs> like, like that's like, those are the things, like the things that guys stereotypically want in women. Those are the very things that are like, the, like they want those for a reason. And it's grounded in biology and it's, and it's grant. And the Bible talks about it. It's, and what it's about is it's about, they want a contrast. 
They're not like a guy is not looking for another guy. He's looking for something that's very different than him. And so like the ladies that look more different, they're going to be viewed as more attractive. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that like, completely just, makes sense. The other factor, I guess, is reproduction and that, you know, what men find attractive. Right, so there's biological, yeah, there's biological utility to it. And a lot of that's the evolutionary answer to it, like the the uh, biological utility, meaning right. if you have wide hips, you're going to be able to make more babies, right? Kind of thing. All right. So that's, I mean, that's really true, but it's true. It's true according to a design. But then, like, I think what's happening, though, like more directly is guys are visual and they want something that looks the opposite as them, right? So they want, they don't want the same. They like, they're not looking for Cara Dune or something like that. That's not what they're looking for. You know, like they're, they're not looking for just like some strong woman, like who can probably beat them in an arm wrestling match. What they want is they want something that's soft, right? And that's why women have higher fat count, like in their body, like higher body fat percentage. They want something that's soft. They want something that's curvy. And like, they want something that's different than them. Like they're not looking for like, like, um, the, uh, the UFC bodybuilder or something like that. So like, no one's allowed to acknowledge that, but then what's happening with someone like, uh, Zendaya or how, however you say her name is that she's just a little stick girl that, and like, then the, uh, internet's trying to debate whether Margot Robbie's hot. I'm like, are, are, why is this a debate? I mean, she's conventionally attractive or whatever, but I haven't understood that one. I saw that. I saw that happening. I haven't looked into that very much, but. Yeah, I mean, I think what's happening is like um, androgyny is being pushed on us at every single level. Right. And so like what what's being pushed on us is the wimpy guys and the boyish girls. And so I mean, who are the action heroes right now? Like, obviously, you have legacy care people like Tom Cruise, like he would be a right. legacy action hero. But right. it's Timothy Chalamet, Tom Holland. Right. Uh, the stereotypical beta male kind of guys. Right. And it's like. <laughs> Why? Like right, maybe what, Timothy Chalamet can grow into uh, playing Paul in uh, Dune. Maybe he can grow into that. I mean, he he was a good cast for the first book. Yeah. But... So what it is? They're pushing androgyny. That's that's that that's what exactly. they're doing. They're pushing androgyny at every single point. And so like there there has to be some way though to say that like hey you're pushing androgyny. That's what you're doing. Um, like like you're totally pushing androgyny and like you can do that and men are just they're not like whether or not they're allowed to say hey like um stop right like we don't want like whatever we don't like that like they may get in trouble for saying that but then the issue is that like that's what's happening you can't like push androgyny on a population of people over and over again it, and it's so unnatural there's going to be a some level of pushback you see that with the transgenderism stuff where it's like people know that the logical conclusion is as they if a guy has sex with a you know a troon then he's gay people know that sure like you you got to convince people that they're not gay to do that and it's like that's not going to happen for the vast majority of people they've done studies that say like 96% of heterosexuals uh, don't even consider that in their theoretical dating pool when they should <laughs> they shouldn't <laughs> they i mean shouldn't the other 3 point something percent don't realize that they're homosexuals but so yeah so i mean what's happening is like they uh you you can police a population where they don't say what they're thinking but that's what's happening with a lot of these things where you're just um 
you're trying to push androgyny on people as much as you possibly can. You're trying to push it on them. And it's like, they're going to like what they're going to like. And even if, if you like forbid them from saying it, then you forbid them from saying it, but they're going to like what they're going to like. And they're made like, they're made to kind of like a, like the contrast in that way. And so what, what's happening is that like, um, I think the world has been so feminized in so many ways. And, and one of the feminine impulses is to kind of protect women at all costs and to shelter them from a lot of these hard realities that like we're, I mean, kind of things we're talking about are deeply unpopular, but like they're just true and you can't pretend they're not. But what's happening is like, uh, like the lady impulse to kind of protect women shows up in these kind of discussions to where like what, what it what's happening is there's this war that's that, um, they're declaring war on men and what men like and what men find attractive and they're making it into a problem. And then the idea is that you're just going to try to fundamentally change man's nature in that way with this project. And it's like, it's just not going to work. I mean, it's not going to work on your standard garden variety redneck. They're not going to listen to you. They just don't care. You know, so they're just going to laugh at you. Along yeah. those lines, what are your thoughts on physiognomy? Um, that's a, you know, a term that's been thrown a lot around, you know, for those in the audience, um, the idea of you can judge a book by its cover based on, you know, if someone looks a certain way, you can tell kind of in many cases what their political beliefs are. They've even done studies where AI can identify who's more conservative and who's more liberal based on attractiveness and and stuff like that. So I haven't really looked into it. I, I, I would need to look into it a little bit more and form an educated opinion on that. But I do think there's something to, you know, kind of like the AI thing that I just said. It's like. Uh, people you know, patterns feminism is not attractive well all right so that's um so the reason why feminism is not attractive is because the ide the ideology itself is a total rejection of the idea that women exist for men to be visually pleasing for men i mean that's what the bible says a woman was made for man she's the glory of a man right yeah. so, so like the idea of feminism though is to say we don't exist for men and so then you look at what a man is and you, you turn it into a problem. You prob problematize it right there. And so like what you have to, what you're doing is you're basically saying, whatever a man is, he's by definition wrong. And I'm not going to give you what you want. And I want you to conform all of your taste and all of your desires to me. Right. Like that's, that's the problem. And so then like what men want, they do want a visual, a visually attractive girl. And that's why everyone who gets caught up in feminism, you know, they just kind of chop off all their hair and they wear, you know, color tones that don't match their skin tone and everything else. And it's like, they're not trying, you know, like the early feminism, like early feminism, what do they do? They burn the bras. They quit trying. They said, take me as I am. Right. Like I, like, I'm not going to try for you. I'm not going to make any effort. I'm tired of like all this work I'm putting in to be pretty, like I shouldn't have to do any of that. You should just accept me for who I am. But then the problem is it's just like men are men and you have things you want from them and they have things they want from you. And so in the best case scenario, what a society will do is like, Hey, if you want to find a man, give them the things that they want instead of taking everything they want and turning it into a problem. And the same thing is true in the other way. Like if you want a woman, like you can't just like, um, mope around and fuss and complain about women give them the things they want and and what they want isn't complicated they want a guy who's going to protect them they want a guy who's going to lead them they want a guy who's confident who's not just like coming up to them and saying hey you know um what do you want to do today like they don't want that kind of guy who's pushing off all the leadership decisions on them so be confident be assertive you know and, and a lot of men just a lot of men are doing this in the opposite way where they're just like hey um like you need to just accept me for who i am and 
you know, I shouldn't have to be, you know, whatever it is that you think I should be for you. But both people, like, I mean, you want, you want a member of the opposite sex, figure out what, what they want and, you know, don't fight your God given impulses to like be those things that they need to be. And a lot of it's just grounded in roles, like the roles that God's made men and women to do too. But yeah. So I, fem, feminism though, is definitely fighting this kind of thing very hard for sure. Now, one of the more recent controversies that you, you know, kind of set out for is you talked about uh, women in depression. Sure. <laughs> They've lost it on this one. <laughs> I think we got over 4 million views on this stupid tweet that we did. Um, oh, really? Uh, it was crazy. Let me see if I can give you a number right now because it's still just like. Are you able going... to share a screen or? Uh, I'm not sure. But Let's see. Basically, the was it the picture? One the picture of the, the house. Picture is... of the house that mm -hmm. was dirty and and mm -hmm. you kind of said that they were basically letting the environment go but if you bring it up they're going to use depression as a shield to kind of talk about that yeah so, so i was kind of curious as to that because 4.6 million 4.6 million views right now on this i can give you tweet. a couple dollars on uh twitter plus or whatever i don't know if you got your uh crazy mail coming <laughs> That 4.6 million. I, 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 and what was crazy about that is like we started out the day just bashing men on this kind of stuff. I mean, we were bashing men really hard. And, like, and what were you I, saying about men? Let's. I, I said, yeah, like, uh, like men need, uh, like, we need to quit coddling men who are, you know, depressed. Like a lot of these men, they need like someone like Elijah who what they need is they don't need people to validate them. They need someone like Elijah. And like I shared a verse of like Elijah saying that he cursed some of them, he beat some of them and he pulled out their hair and he charged them. Uh, to Nehemiah. Never get... Oh yeah. Ne Nehemiah. So I shared that verse. And then um, I said, they need more Nehemiahs in their life. And I said, and I said like, we, um, I said, women need to quit um, um, like coddling these crybaby men who are like filled with depression and all that. Like they need, like these men need a kick in the pants. And so, I, I mean, I was really hard on men, but then I made this post about, um, and, and I'll, I'll just read the post that I made about the, um, um, the houses. But yeah, I said, I, I said, I go into houses that look like these every day. Uh, those women are probably all on antidepressants and no one is allowed to say anything to them because they wield their depressed label as a club to bash away all moral accountability for their actions. And so, I mean, I thought it was a relatively mild quote just to say, hey, here's 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 what these here's what these houses I go in look like all the time. I go into these hoarder houses with these ladies who like they like they literally man they just they won't clean their houses for anything and they don't even feel embarrassed about it you know like it used to be that women would feel deeply ashamed to have guests come over their home and just to see these nightmares but i go in there and i mean like, yeah my mom's kind of like that when the house is already cleaned ahead of time <laughs> i know I, but the it, like, so what's happening though is like these ladies they don't have any shame because part of part of what's happening is, and i know this as a counselor what's happening is they're on antidepressants and they just kind of mess with people's brain they remove their ability to process things in the same kind of way so like antidepressants they just kind of kill your thoughts you know they just make your brain mush and so yeah, you have these ladies in in these homes and like turn off all feelings they do they turn them all off right so it's not like it's not they're fixing the depression what they're doing is just turning you into a zombie and so i go into these houses and these ladies they just don't have any sense of shame um like with the surroundings that they're in like in a way that 
and and so many women are on antidepressants right now. I mean, it's like one in five women, like of certain age groups, are on antidepressants, and it's just like I, I don't even think they. I think they did a study recently that showed that they don't work because depression's not actually caused by a chemical imbalance. Right, it doesn't. Pre yeah. As previously thought, they they had some sort of study in the last year that showed that. Yeah. So the whole, like, you know, giving out the SR, SSRIs, like it was all based on this stupid chemical imbalance theory that was peddled by these drug companies. So these drug company companies were pushing out this theory in order to get customers for life. And I mean, once you go on an antidepressant, you're hooked, you're hooked for life, you're a customer for life. That's it. That's your, that's your life. But I mean, it's all based on this like idea that there's some chemical imbalance in your brain that these, you know, um, um, the the antidepressants are supposed to be correcting you know but it was it was bad science for from the beginning it was like there was never any peer reviewed studies that showed that like it's just nonsense like it's always been nonsense it, like the only studies that ever showed that i mean there's like one study or two studies that showed that that were pushed by drug companies that didn't go through the same rigor or whatever in order to put this message out but everyone thinks that like every psychological they think every single psychological disorder is a result of a chemical imbalance in their brain. It's all bad science, man. You know, all it is is like you're just you're just um, you know, like with the anti-anxiety med, meds, you're putting them on a tranquilizer. A lot of them, like with the uh, antidepressant stuff, it's just turning your brain into mush. It's just it's a mess, man. But basically, I was just looking at ladies and I was saying, hey, like you know, here's the thing. Like God has responsibilities for you. You know, He's created you. He's given you a purpose, and that purpose is to work. And, you know, you know, Ecclesiastes says that I've seen that there's nothing better than a man rejoice in the toil with which he toils under the sun. Lady has a job. Man has a job. If you reject that job, you're going to be like you're going to be depressed. Right. And, and so like when you have a lot of ladies who are rejecting this job because they refuse to be held to any standard whatsoever, the natural result of that is that they are going to be depressed. And the path out of that is to learn to work to the glory of god in part i mean there's a lot more to it but but yeah no i counsel people on a regular basis and you know they will use their psychological labels as an excuse to get out of anything the bible has to say that's just the way it works yeah and i guess that that's one of the problems i see in certain modern day preaching is that they embrace too much of psychology right because uh, a lot of it's pop psychology and like your mega church circles but even some you know genuine pastors in my opinion they're genuine they they do rely a lot on psychology and the apa and sort of the categorizations of you know anxiety is like and then you read our understandings into the bible like elijah yeah. suffered from depression it's like <laughs> well so, so, so this is right this is a good example of what how absurd this conversation is like when people say that because like i mean it's just so absurd right so like elijah just got done killing the prophets of baal he just got done killing the prophets of Baal. Now, did he do that single-handedly, or did he have backup at all? Because it's like hundreds of people. Like he would have had to have been like, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, Doctor Manhattan. Just I don't know, man. Or... I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of. I mean, you you did have God helping out there, but I mean, like the the issue is like he kills all these prophets of Baal, and then you like he goes from that to he hears word that Jezebel wants him dead. And then he says, like, and then he just like curls up in a ball and says, I've had enough, right? Lord, you know, I'm I'm I alone am left of their prophets, right? Like they killed all the prophets, I alone am left. And God looks at him and he says, You know, I have reserved for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Like, whatever, like what was happening? Yeah, peep Christians can like have bad moments, man. Like they can have bad moments where they give in to sorrow, they give in to despair. 
but like God rebukes him in those moments and you know gives him food and tells him, get up and let's go. I got work for you to do. But then the issue is like when you're talking about major depressive disorder, you're talking about like two week period of time where you're depressed all day long, every day. Like you're, you're depressed to the point where you don't want to eat. You don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to do anything. And it's affecting your ability to like at that point, um, like you're, you're sleeping too much, sleeping too little. And like you're neglecting the basic issues of life and whatever that was, that wasn't Elijah's momentary giving into despair. You, you understand what I'm saying? Right. He gave into despair for a moment. <laughs> you know, he wasn't laying on the ground for two weeks and God's like, all right, Elijah, you know, you're suffering. I guess you're suffering from this genetic predisposition towards a depression or something like that. You can't help it. It's just your biology triggering. It's like, no, Elijah, come on, man, get up. You just like, I took care of you with the prophets of Baal. She's trying to kill you. I'm your shield. I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. Let's go. I, you know, I have some things for you to do, but people will just like, they will use these biblical examples of someone who got sad once as evidence for, yeah, it's okay for a Christian to lay in bed for six months and not do anything that God calls them to do because their sad feelings are going off or something like that. But it's absolutely absurd. So one of the kind of trends that you see in the whole trad world is that you have a lot of women influencers who are saying somewhat conventional patriarchal things even. Sure. But they're not living the patriarchal life uh, whatsoever. Is that like the Pearl conversation? Pearl. But this this was a thing even before I knew who she was, because I only knew who she was in like, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Um, but this is just a general criticism of, you know, trad, uh, trad girl, Twitter, social media influencers and stuff like that. And then they hit 30 a lot of women will be loose in their 20s and hit 30 and then have a sudden i'm going trad experience and you've kind of touched up on that type of thing in the past where you've kind of drawn uh you know you you draw you've asked the question like should guys just take a woman with a high body count because she all of a sudden says she has, she believes in jesus sure and i don't okay there is the one uh account like the stephanie account on twitter who's a scammer by the way, but she wheels that, that the, yeah. the former OnlyFans um, model yeah. who scammed like $10,000 out of people. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, deactivated her account for a while when people started asking questions about what she was raising money for right. and, and stuff. But you, you see like that type of girl, um, you know, what, what do you make of this? Cause you've obviously, you obviously have had some thoughts on, you know, the phenomenon of, Hey, girls be just wild in their twenties and then they want to, you know, settle down in their thirties, but, and then men are reticent to, or reluctant to just accept that. And they shouldn't be shamed for that. You seem to have a lot of thoughts on this given by uh, some of the polls that you put out. Yeah. So part of what's happening there is that I'm not, I'm not entirely familiar with these people, but I see them showing up in my, like, I'm not like a firsthand watcher of these people. I just see people commenting on their stuff and kind of, and what's generally happening is I'm, I'm like, um, I'm like a referee kind of person, like meaning um, like what's happening is I think the trad people and I don't really follow them. I'm not like really in their world. I don't really look into them a whole lot because I'm just, I'm that's, um, I'm just kind of a Bible guy, right? I'm just a Bible guy. I read the Bible and think about what it says and try to make my worldview biblical. But what's happening is like, I see 
like the patriarchal folks, uh, like reform Christian Twitter or whatever, they seem to be reacting to these trad people. But then what's happening in my mind is that there's just like a massive overreaction at times to some of the stuff that they're saying. And that kind of provokes me to say, well, hold on here. Let's put some brakes on this because it seems like in your reaction to the bad things that you're seeing, it seems like you're way overreacting, like to where you're rejecting some things that you shouldn't be rejecting, you know? And so that's like, so often what's happening is I'm just, I'm, my, I'm looking on my timeline and I'm seeing like, for instance, like with the virginity kind of discussion, um, I grew up in a time where people were encouraged to be virgins and then encouraged to look for people who are virgins. And so then post-sexual revolution, like right now, fornication is as common as water, right? So, I mean, like every, like, I mean, we have the term body count for a reason. Yeah. I mean, it's just, but then that wasn't what was happening growing up. I mean, you could still, like for me, you could still find someone who, like, it wasn't impossible. Right. So like what's happening is like right now, it's just like, we're so on the other side of to where like most people don't even view fornication as a sin. I mean, you know, like J.D. Greer and uh, Jen Wilkins are, you know, talking about like the Bible whispering about sexual sin or something like that. And so part of what's happening is like the trad people are, are trying to normalize virginity again, but they're doing it in a way that doesn't seem very careful. Right. So the, like the way they're doing it is basically just to throw shade indiscriminately on people with high body counts and and say, you know, you're just like it, what it comes across to people is it's like you're just worthless. You're just trash. You're a second class citizen, whatever else. And then what's happening on the other end is you have like the reformed Christian kind of women who are looking at that and they're saying, hey, God saved me out of that. I don't have to live in guilt and shame and condemnation for that my whole life. And then the next step, though, that the, that's the problem is they say, I guess it doesn't matter. Right. Like it doesn't matter at all. That's kind of where they take it. Like you're just like none of this matters. And, and then at that point, I'm look, I'm saying, wait a minute, it does matter. <laughs> okay. Like meaning it, it's not like irrelevant. Like me. So like, if you think about the old Testament law, one of the things you're going to find is like the whole old Testament law is centered around trying to keep women virgins. That's what it's about. Right. It's like, like, so like, what, what do you do? Like if, um, like if a man seduces a virgin What's supposed to happen? He's supposed to marry her. I mean, that's so scandalous to people's eyes right now. But the reason why he's supposed to marry her is because like in God's mind, <laughs> what he's communicating is virginity is precious, is valuable. You need to protect it. You need to guard it. Right. And so like when you become one with someone, something significant happens there. You're like, there's, this is not just like shaking hands or something like that, or, or telling a white lie or something. This is a profoundly spiritual act with spiritual implications. And so like the whole old Testament economy is set up around this idea of project protecting virginity like it's such a big deal and so my interest in this discussion is just to say hey that is like um like there we don't what we want to do is we want to figure out how to go, like, we were at a society where virginity was praised and it was valued and it was something that you guarded and something you protected and that would actually discourage women from sleeping around because they thought if i sleep around people are going to call me a whore right and I may not be able to get a good guy anymore. I might and have to wear a scarlet letter. Right, right. And so like what's happening is that like that was actually good for society. Like, you, like you're not allowed to say that, but that was actually it was actually good for uh, society. Yeah, exactly. Slut shaming was a public good. It was like and, and so like now like that's just like what's happening is that 
you can look at this with the pictures I just did that got 4 million views or whatever on Twitter. Like women will not accept any shame, no matter how shameful they behave. And that's why they were yelling at me and the men weren't yelling at me is ref women refuse to accept any shame for their actions anymore. Like women are shameless today. And so what you need is you need like you need social mechanisms to come back to get to a point where shameful behavior is treated as shameful. That's what you need. And, and so go ahead. Uh, the person who, you know, my brother who writes and appears on live streams a lot wrote that what made the Bud Likes boycott successful was that it gay shame it shamed people right right it so, applied so, shame you know for being gay to the issue of drinking beer all right so that's, that's why what, bud light cratered and dropped at least 10 places in market share yes i mean that's absolutely true i mean so what's true is like 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 we've lost all of our shame as society. And that's like what happens in like a Romans one kind of spiral is that they become shameless right so like men committing shameless act with men receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. So like we need shame. Like, and so like, like we need to learn again, how to shame shameful things. Right. Uh, so, and, and um, when people were like reacting to this, it's like, you don't shame women, shame is wrong and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, but God, God shamed Miriam for doing something shameful to Moses by trying to usurp his authority. And he says, if her, like, you know, if she spit in her father, father, or uh, if he, uh, let's see, how 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 was this worded? But uh, shamed. Uh, I'll look it up. Uh, but I mean, it's a very interesting passage. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, "If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp for seven days, and after that, she may be brought in again." Like the idea is that like we we need mechanisms to where like. Our society is hell bent on removing shame out of everything, right? So the home, like the sodomites, they're just like us. They're nice and they're happy and they're smiling and they're not gross and they're not icky and there's nothing wrong with them, right? They're just like us, you know? And so what we're doing is we remove all the shame out of all of these shameful sexual acts. And that's a problem. Like we have to get back to a place where it's like, no, it's deeply shameful to lose your virginity. Fornication is deeply shameful. Adultery is deeply shameful. Like we need to get back to there somehow. And what's happening is the trad community, they're trying to do it. You know, I, I don't necessarily endorse the way that they're doing it, but what they are doing is they're trying to say, hey, it's shameful. And then I think a lot of people are just overreacting to that. And 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 I, I'm just saying, well, hey, calm down a little bit. I think we need to figure out how to get there again, you know? We need to get to a place where like women are not sleeping with 30, 40 people, you know, in college, <laughs> like we need to get back to yeah, like that, that messes with them. That messes with them. Like that messes with their brain. That messes with their emotional attachments. That the messes term with pair them. bonding is uh, used a lot these days in this discussion. Right. And I mean, th that's not nonsense. Like, I mean, I counsel these, like I counsel these people on a regular basis. Like it's, it's, it's not nonsense. It, like when a woman gives herself over to and over and over again to guy after guy, after guy, after guy, like she, like she is ruining her ability to give herself to a, a godly guy. Like, you know, and, and God doesn't like just promise to, um, take it all away. I mean, that's not to say that she can't be a faithful wife and she can't be a godly wife. It's just like you are doing violence to your soul by doing that act. And, and like, we're not just, um, you know, we're not Gnostics. Like the, the, like there, you can sin against your body and you can, you can make your life very hard, you know? And like the women I counsel, like who, I, I mean, it, it's like, you can tell like, man, they, they don't, 
want anything to do with intimacy with their husband. They don't want they they are not kind to their husband. They're not sweet uh, to their husband. They're are they reading that Sheila Gregory nonsense? Because that's what I kind of get from a lot. What of is these. that? Sheila Gregory. I, I think that's her name. But remember the whole uh, Joshua Butler thing. What who wrote the, who wrote the uh, saucy piece in the Gospel Coalition that they actually ended up canceling? I remember them canceling that. What was that about? That was about someone trying to, you know, use a sexual metaphor in the Bible. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I thought it was a little uh, premature. Yeah. Uh, because it was a, a premature sexcatology, which was my the, criticism of it. Yeah, that. But was their criticism, criticism yeah. of it was they're feminists who hate sex. Right, right. So they hate the idea of, you know, God and the church, or Christ and his bride in any way in the future I, being consummated and anything like that, or yep. any sort of romantic language being applied to yep. that relationship. So they, they, to me, it's like they hate sex, Yep. which I think is a result of feminism. Yeah, it, it is a. Yeah, it is a result of feminism, and and I think that what ends up happening when women just give themselves to men over and over again, they're trained to view, like, I, I mean, these men are are taking advantage of them, you know, they, they, these men are sinning against them and taking advantage of them, and you can only be, but at the same time, they're willingly being taken advantage of, right? And so, they're, like, that does something to you. It just numbs you to the act itself. It's, it numbs you to, like, the relationship. Like, it numbs your ability to like even um, enjoy what's going on in any way possible. And like what, what you end up wanting, like what a girl ends up wanting when she's given herself to 20 guys is she wants some guy who wants her for some other reason than that, because she feels like this is dirty and she's tired of it. She doesn't want this anymore. Right. And so, I mean, that's just what happens. And, and a lot of these kind of relationships is like the lady's just like, Hey, I'm done with it. I've sowed my wild oats. And now I just want some guy who wants to talk to me or something. And the guy's just looking at her and is like, Hey, I'm willing to forgive all that, but this is part of marriage too. You know? So I just think that there are very real consequences to these kind of things that people don't want to minimize that I see in counseling on a regular basis. And I, I just don't think we should overreact so much. I think. So like just we, to clarify, you yep. see um, being loose in your twenties sort of thing. Le leading to a sexless marriage on part of the wife oh yeah i mean I, okay that's interesting that's something i've never really heard before obviously uh i definitely heard the idea that hey porn addiction leads to erectile dysfunction and you know people can't it get messes it up in marriage it messes uh, with women it but, messes with women like and it, it doesn't even take 20 partners to mess with women like really bad like i mean like you know people don't realize that even if you fornicate once like it really messes with marriages because God like has designed it to really mess with it. I mean, it's one of those things where like, um, like you can look at marriages and, and you can like, like just like people intuitively know this, like you go into marriage and like you fornicated, like, you know, whatever, however many times you did that. It's like, it's something you deal with and you have to get over. And it's not just like, Oh, it, you know, it's all fixed. Like often the guys are like a lot better able to say, okay, let's move on, you know, time to move on. God's forgiven us. And a lot of times the girls are just struggling with it, you know? And so I, I just, it's just one of those things where like, um, God didn't design people to sin in these ways. And he did everything in the old Testament to try to keep people from doing that. And just like, you know, when David commits adultery and kills Uriah, 
there were there were consequences to that God forgave him, but there was consequences to that. Uh, the Bible says that fornicators and adulterers God will God will judge, and this is an actual sin against the body itself. And so, what I'm not trying to say is that like there's no hope for your marriage if you sin sexually before it. I'm not trying to say that, but what I am trying to say is that like like you may shoot yourself in the foot, and it may take you a long time to deal with the consequences of this to where you get to where you're past it. You know, so don't expect some easy road or something along those lines. Obviously, God forgives people, but it's hard, you know, like it's a hard path. And like ladies who, you know, they have sex with 20 guys before marriage, like they are making it 100 times harder than it has to be. Right. Uh, and God doesn't just deliver everyone overnight. You know, it takes some time. So like you dig a hole, you know, you spend 10 years digging a hole. God will get you out of it, but it may ten, take 10 years to get you out of it. And, and a lot of people just, they're not very, very realistic about the consequences of sin at times, you know, and, and there has to be some way to say that that doesn't feel hopeless. Right. So, and that's what people hear. They just hear, oh, you're just being hopeless. It's like, no, I, you have to be realistic. Like don't sin against God. Like God's not going to be mocked what you sow, you're going to reap. Right. And so if we could get people to wake up and say, hey, this is a soul destroying sin, run from it, you know? Don't go there. Like wave the red flag, you know. Don't go there. Like the like we need it. We need to figure out how to do that again. That doesn't um, result in well. I guess you might as well end your life or something if you mess up one time, you know. And that's what people hear. It, they can't like they don't know how to warn someone without just going dramatic with it. If that makes sense. All right. So let's actually circle back to the hot topic that I uh, bookmarked for later, and that's kind of the whole interracial dating thing because that's come up a lot uh i i don't really have strong feelings about it my dating history is a little bit interracial uh i'll, I'll just leave it at that without getting into sort of details but yeah this you know allegations of kinism have come up a lot these days and you know there's a idea in which I've heard one argument that, you know, you can sin against your father or undermine the uh, fourth commandment by marrying outside of your um, people group. Yep. So you think there's any legitimacy to that or. I don't. Uh, um, I've heard people making those kind of arguments and I, I simply don't know how to make them myself like in that kind of way. So, you know, my, my, um, I mean, full disclosure, my, my co-host, he's in a interracial marriage in that way. And uh, I, I don't have anything in me that says that people are like, I don't have any criticism of that kind of thing. I don't have any, um, I don't think, I, like in my mind, um, I don't have a theological case to make that says that um, there's anything wrong with interracial, you know, quote unquote, inner quote unquote racial relationships. I, I don't have anything like that. Now, on the other end of things, like I think one of the things that's happening is you're living in a culture and society that for some reason, like is obviously trying to make interracial relationships the norm. Right. And I think that that's um, I think that's one of those things that you have to open your eyes up and figure out, well, what's the agenda behind that? And what are we trying to do here? And like, what is this about? Right. And so I, I'm, I'm deeply suspicious of that kind of agenda that is very obviously the agenda 
I mean, you can't, and you know. I think that agenda is why you're seeing a pushback to the greater idea, to this broader idea of interracial relationships in general is because of that agenda. So, so I think what's happening is that there's like people are naturally, you know, and this isn't really like a ethnic racial thing. Like people, people are naturally just, they're attracted to similarities. Okay. Like Have you ever seen the, the boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever that kind of look like each other? So I guess maybe yeah, that's what you're getting at. That's what but. I'm getting at. Like, like men, like people are attracted to similar features, and I see it in case after case after case, to where I'm, I mean, I guess I'm a I'm a good observer at times, and I can just look at it and I can say, okay, I see why, like you guys are looking for a match, and so a lot of times what's happening is, like, and people don't even know how to, like, girls often have a harder time understanding this than men. Because, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that ladies pay much more attention to like coloring kind of issues, whereas guys are looking more in terms of like facial features and facial geometry and shapes and things like that. And they may not be able to communicate what they're doing intuitively, but I know what they're doing, you know. And so what you find a lot of times is, yeah, the couple looks alike. And part of the reason why they're looking alike is because they're looking for someone like them. That's what they're doing, you know. So like people who have straighter noses are going to look for people who have straighter noses, people who are thinner, you know, thinner built, like, like narrower shoulders. Why do you think they marry people with narrower shoulders? You know, you know, I, I remember like there's a, um, well, are you saying like the, the Norbit things, you know, the, but, the, the, uh, outlier in the situation. What is Norbit? What is, it? uh, it's an Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, what uh, happens Eddie, in that? Eddie Murphy marries like a, fat girl that's played by himself <laughs> it's a really I, funny movie but i think uh, a lot of so a lot of times what's happening is like people are intuitively like and they don't know what they're doing but they're looking for certain shape like certain body types that are very similar in certain ways and so like i, I mean if you pay attention you'll kind of notice it like um I've noticed that like girls who have certain like shoulder ratios, they will not want to marry guys whose shoulder ratios are more narrow than theirs, you know? And so a lot of times like, like what, what people are actually looking for and you can, you can kind of look at it and you can pay attention to it. Like they look for people who like, in, they feel like they match in certain ways and like, and they may not even put two and two together what they're doing, but they are looking for similarities and those similarities can, you know, be related to just, Hey, um, you know, crass, like you look like me, like you smell like me, you act like me, you, you know, you, we like the same things. We have the same culture. We have the same history. We actually look alike, you know, like, I mean, I think there's biological things that are related to that going on that you can't really talk about. Like, Hey, um, I like the way you smell. I like the way you look, you know, I like, the, like, um, so, and, and I just, I don't think that people have to turn that into a problem. Like, I don't think people have to turn that into a problem at all. And so part of what's happening with the interracial discussion is you have media who are basically turning that into a problem. And, and part of what CRT is doing is it's just like you're going to get kicked either way, right? So like if you don't get in an interracial relationship, then you're just like a white supremacist, right? But then if you marry a black girl, if you're a white guy and you marry a black girl, then like, man, like... um you're still you're just, racist in that relationship. Yeah, you're just trying to like if you're the man, you're trying to exercise like colonial dominance over this woman, right? In that way, or you're trying to deal with your white guilt by marrying a black woman. 
like, like meaning like this is just you trying to atone for your past sins by saying you're not racist because you married someone of the opposite sex. And so, I mean, it's just all a mess. And it's just like, well, I, I, you know, my impulse is just to say, Hey, leave people alone, let them be attracted to what they're attracted to. And don't over, like, you know, and, and if someone wants to, um, if someone wants to do do an interracial relationship, I don't see anything in the Bible saying that that's wrong. I don't have a case to be made there, but I don't think that people we have to make a case in the opposite direction that somehow you can, like you can. Uh, there's something virtuous about it either, you know. And that's where um, part of my problem with David Platt and things like that, along uh, guys like that, is it's just like, yeah, you got to be radical. You need to adopt people. You need to move to a foreign country. You need to be a missionary. You need to, and you know, they just get caught up in all these social contagions or whatever. And, and it's like, and then you get people to where they're just so worked up into like thinking, oh man, I better be in an interracial relationship in order to show I'm not racist. And it's just like, well, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. You know, like, um, yeah. do it because you want to do marry, do the marry marry the girl because she's a christian and she's godly and you see like good things in her life you know and you care about her don't do it as some kind of like social experiment to show that you're not racist or something that's uh, ridiculous so this is going to be my last question and if you're in the audience uh submit a chat and we'll uh see if we can get to it uh after i do this question what are your thoughts on the idea that people pursue their parents and looking for the other person. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously true for better and for worse, you know. So I, I think it's I think it's obviously true for better and for worse, and, and um, like meaning, um, yeah, people who have like bad parents, they will swear that they they don't want to marry someone like their dad, you know, like the lady who has an abusive dad or whatever, and, you know, yells and screams and hollers and whatever else. I don't want to marry anything like that, but then she'll end up marrying someone just like that, you know? And a lot of that is just because, yeah, I think, I think parents, they do train, um, they do train people to know what to look for, you know? So, I, I mean, even with like my mom, my mom with, I mean, she, she was, she was a good woman. She has had her problems just like everyone else, but then, like she was to me the standard of beauty, like a standard of what a beautiful woman was. Um, and because that, I mean, I think objectively she was a very attractive woman, you know, I, I think she was, but then like the issue though was, like, so I, that wasn't something that was made up in my mind. But then like, w what I mean though, is that regardless of all that, I looked at her every day of my life. You, you get what I'm saying? I looked at her every day of my life and I'm, associate femininity with that and then you know there's there's a lot of I, I just think parents have a lot of power in that way to where the women you know women are doing the same thing like my dad is my dad and he's the standard of what a man may be and people will look at that and say hey you know if my dad was a bad guy a dad i don't even know how to understand the fatherhood of god because they associate like this is what a man is right for good or for bad and they're naturally kind of intuitively drawn to that and, uh, you, you know, you may swear up and down, like what, what often happens is like, if you have a bad parent, you swear up and down, I don't want anything like that. But then the problem is that what happens in marriage is you don't get the, um, you don't get the final state at the beginning. Do you see what I mean? Right. Yeah. So like, I, you, I definitely understand that. Like your mom, like, like you're like, let's say your mom and dad had a bad marriage. 
and you say, I don't want anything like that. What happened was it started out with both of them wanting to, you know, climb the mountain, swim the stream, do whatever it takes for love and all that. They were in love. They cared about each other. They wanted to do it right. But then they, they let certain problems grow in the course of their marriage that affected them long-term because they didn't deal with certain issues. And so what happens in marriage is like, like the lady will say, Hey, I don't want to marry anyone like my dad 20 years into marriage. But then the problem is that like they, they pick up on all the things that were like related to dad, you know, two years before marriage. Right. So they end up marrying someone who's their dad two years before marriage and they don't learn how to deal with all the things that got them to 20 years out. Right. And so they just run the same script. That's what happens. They run the same script so, out. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, I don't really see that in myself. Like I don't see my wife as being really like my mom in a whole lot of ways at all. Um, my wife would actually see me as being like her dad in some ways. Right. Um, which I guess is healthy. So it's, it's an interesting concept. Uh, I mean, it's obviously there's, not, there's like a lot a of, the, yeah, it's not like a hard set rule. I think, I don't think, but there is something How long have you been married? to it. Uh, six years. Oh, so, see what happens uh, in 20. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a hard, fast rule. Yeah, for sure. It's not a hard, fast rule, but it is um, like, it is enough of a common experience that you could say, Hey, it's a generality. People are doing that with, regardless of whether or not they know it, they generally are doing that. Um, unless, unless they're just like, off, you know, you know, at times it's like if um, if it's so bad, like sometimes I'll just try to pick just something that's polar opposite or something along those lines, too. Right. But I, it is a common thing. I, I think it's a common thing for. And then I have like a brother and sister in law who are very similar. And it's interesting to see a relationship of people so similar. Uh, yeah. there's a lot of times those don't work, but they've worked pretty well so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. To roll into some questions, uh, I'm going to start out with Rumble because I can't pull them up uh, okay. on the on restream because it you know this Rumble doesn't do API all that well or at okay. all. So thoughts on Andrew Tate's view of depression? I got a question about that. Do you know his view? Because I don't off the top of my head. I can give you my view of depression. I don't know what his is though. Um, okay, uh, and then. We have uh, Nephilim, the original interracial coupling is kind of a noteworthy comment that we got. Uh, maybe. The, 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 the original interracial. <laughs> uh, I got asked, what is Norbit? Uh, Eddie Murphy, I believe is 2009. Excellent, hilarious movie. Um, I don't follow trad Twitter. What is the word Riz? Riz is short for charisma. And after I learned what that word is, I started hearing it and seeing it everywhere, especially in the Tom Holland conversation, because he apparently doesn't have Riz. Um, and uh, let's see. The. Uh, OK, I think it's all from uh, Restream. Let's go to. Uh, YouTube, how well do churches know uh, handle dating slash singles? What works well? What doesn't? How well do churches handle this dating is from and singles? Yurder. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think um, um, I think churches right now are at this point where they 
they feel guilted into encouraging singles like for long periods of time and and so you know what they don't want to do is they they don't want to shame the person who is unwillingly single and so then what they try to do is they they try to take on this responsibility to you know meet all the relational needs of singles and we actually did a podcast on this like is a church responsible to meet all the relational needs of singles and i just don't think that churches can you know i don't think that churches can do that i think what happen what needs to happen is that churches need to start encouraging marriage more strongly not less strongly i think they need to encourage it more strongly even if there's going to be collateral damage with that and then like i think um so i think they need to actually encourage this more and not just retreat and back off because a lot of people are not getting married. Um, so I, I think, I think that's what they need to do. And I think a lot of young, like a lot of singles, I, I, um, I did some podcasts on that too. What do I do if I'm unwillingly single? I think a lot of singles really do need to open themselves up for more help and be willing to ask for more help in these kind of areas in a way that, um, I think a lot of singles are just, they they feel embarrassed and they feel ashamed and they don't want to feel desperate and everything else. But I, I do think that singles need, I, I think the church could help a lot more if singles are willing to have them help, you know? And so part of it is like the singles, they just, they, they don't, don't help me. Right. Don't just don't help me. Just tell me that I'm okay. And I'm, I'm fine and leave me alone, you know, and don't talk about it, you know, but I, I think that you know, church family is a great, could be a great resource to singles if the, if singles would let them a little bit more than what they do at times. Yeah. Oftentimes it's a little hard to, uh, a lot of churches don't exactly have a dating pool. Um, yep. which yep. I guess is one of the challenges. Uh, but it needs to be normal for people to say, Hey, I want to be married. Will you pray for me? Do you know anyone <laughs> that you that, can introduce me to? You yeah, know, I mean, and that's a good point. It, th sure. What's happening is people are just so embarrassed to talk about it. No one asks about it. And then like, if you do ask, Hey, are you looking for someone? Then people get all offended about it. And it's like, you can't actually help someone like that. Like everyone needs to just say, Hey, let's pray for you that you find a spouse and let's help you. Like, and, um, and you, you know, and I think that you could like a lot of people could arrange like meetings and things like that. If people could just um, not be so afraid of it going bad, you know, and being awkward and everything else. Uh, and question, uh, I'm a loyal listener to Bible bash podcast. Where, where were you trained in biblical counseling? Also, where is your church and could I find your sermons online or a sermon or at sermon audio? God bless. And this is from Jamie Starfish. Yeah, we, um, yeah, I went to undergrad at the master's university uh, in California. That's John MacArthur school. And so I, I was going to get a biblical counseling degree there, but I ended up with a BA in Bible just because it's a little bit quicker. But then I went to the Southern, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. And then um, I um, I got a MDiv with biblical counseling emphasis there. So, yeah, master's college in Southern Seminary University. And uh, the church that we're at right now is called Providence Church, P-R-O-V-E-N-A-N-C-E. Um, I think our website is providencechurch.com. Yeah, <laughs> I should be able to re re repeat that. I did that, not but... put that link in the description. <laughs> yep. But yeah, that's, that's where you can go to see our sermons and, and things like that. And then there's the podcast, the YouTube channel and all that where we go to. And then another question, Harrison Car <laughs> Carrig. Sorry, it was loading while I was trying to read that. Um, why is Tim's co-host so devilishly handsome that would be my co-host <laughs> um, harrison k is my my co-host yes <laughs> oh okay well 
Uh, I was going to say, you need to ask, say no homo after a question. Like that. <laughs> I did not. It's yourself. I, uh, you don't need I, to do that for a shameless plug. I deny. <laughs> you know, I disavow. I disavow this comment. <laughs> uh, and then questions from Trevor Miller. Do you think most people have, delu have delusional standards for potential spouses? Um. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I it's definitely promoted in popular media that people have very delusional standards. I don't know how true this is on a rank and file. Yeah, I, I, I don't a pulse. I, Got a lot of people I don't, that just want to pulse. Yeah, I think a lot of people. I mean, uh, so this is definitely the accusation that people have. Uh, but then, um, and I, there's a lot of people who are not getting married. I think that the standards are distorted for sure. But I mean, the vast majority of people end up do getting married at some point, anyways. And so I, I think they. Um, so I think what happens a lot of times is that may, people maybe. I, I think what's really happening is that people have a hard time meeting people. And they're not natural spaces for people to meet. And so I think if you're just like, if you're just surrounded by no good options, no at all, you know, it could be that, yeah, you have really ridiculous, unrealistic standards. But I think, I think what really actually naturally happens, if you can find someone who is like reasonably compatible with you, you just kind of go with it, you know? And I think that, that, so I think a lot of what's happening with this is that, yeah, people have ridiculous, unrealistic standards, I think, I and mean, particularly pagans, but I think a lot of what's happening with Christians is that, so what's happening in the pagan world is that, you know, the pagans, they just don't want marriage. And so they have these ridiculous standards. They just don't want to get married. They're afraid to get married. And and that's what it's about. It's not really about the standards thing at all. They just don't want to get married. And it's just like, well, yeah, I, I'll have this ridiculous standard, but I don't like I don't want the concept. I reject it. But with people who actually want to get married, I think they may have unrealistic standards or not. But if they find someone who's close, they go with it. You know, they go with it. Like, and it doesn't even like it, they could be just way different than what they had in their mind. And I've just seen couple after single after single after single who, if they find someone who like is reasonable, they they go with it. You know, so I think a lot of that's just more about are they open to marriage or closed off to marriage? And the people who are more closed off to marriage are gonna, you know, shoot for the moon and then call. And that's kind of what I would say. But yeah. And then Jamie Starfish again. Does Tim support family integrated worship only, or yeah. age segregated ministry pleasing <laughs> to God also? I yeah, I definitely think that um, I I definitely lean the family integrated direction there. Like in terms of. Um, I think that um, I'm. I would say I'm like very against like the idea of children's church. I, I don't. I think that's an oxymoron. I, I think um, God commands that you worship Him, and you know, like just having a segregated, um, um, you know, children's church kind of thing. I, I, that just like messes with my ecclesiology at almost every single level. There, uh, I have some category for like women teaming up in order to uh, share the load, the nursery load, so that like women don't have to spend you know, most of their, uh, childbearing years in and out of service. Like I have that kind of thing. I think to the extent to which, you know, it, we, and we encourage this at our church to the extent to which you can encourage parents and families to get the kids in the service as soon as possible. I think that's good. Um, and you know, part of that's just like God commands everyone to worship him. And 
So let's worship him. Like, let's give him the worship that he's due. And the more like child classes you have, the more people you have like missing out on services. Like those are just people who are neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So I'm, I'm definitely um, leaning that direction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I went to a sort of a mega church where, yeah, you could easily just be a volunteer and never actually attend service. Well, I've known plenty of people like that. that. You can get into that trap or, um, just the idea of you're just always in the system and you never really participate with the adults. Just growing up, when you look at the people who I grew up with that kind of fell away or stayed with the faith, I think that it the most uh, common denominator is not whether they were homeschooled or public school, because that was public school and that turned out just fine, right? Mm. Except I know what the movie Norbit is. Um, <laughs> um, but the most common denominator was whether people worship with the adults or not. I, I think that's just my personal anecdotal observation based on my own experience. But to me, I think there's something to family integrated worship. And I kind of try to do that with my kids as well. It's just tough yeah. because my oldest is three turning four. Well, I think, and yeah, yeah. Something, something to really think about that is, I mean, God does command people everywhere to worship him. He's looking for people to worship him. And I think like, yeah, if you're sitting in a nursery, you're sitting in a children's church or whatever, like you, you have to think about what church is and like what church is, is it's the assembly of the saints. That's what it is. It's the assembly. Like the word church, ecclesia means assembly. And like what you're doing on the Lord's day is you're, you're assembling, you're coming together as a church in order to worship God under the teaching of the elders, you know, the administration of the ordinances and all that. And so like, I think like the idea of like, like you're not going to church, like you're, you're going to church when you're assembled together. Like when the whole church is gathered together and assembled, you're not just at church when you're at a building in a different location doing something completely different, you know? So I, I would think, yeah, like this is, um, I, like, I don't know how to make, you know, all these things going on in a building. I don't call all of them church. What church is, it's, it's that assembly for sure. So, and God commands people to, to assemble. So let's let them and not put a bunch of hurdles in their way of actually getting to worship God. All righty. I think that's all the questions that I have from YouTube, Rumble. Uh, you can't really chat using Twitter and no one sent anything in Twitch. So with that said, um, I just want to let you know, thank you all for watching this long and you can support Evangelical Dark Web at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's our Patreon-like system. We don't use Patreon because they censor. So we built our own like they keep telling us to do. And we've talked a lot about polls tonight and I've, I'm going to be running some polls um, because we have our year end award show and I kind of doing some snap polls on the topic. So you get extra content uh, for subscribing to the website and that content's on evangelicaldarkweb.org because we're kind of a written news ministry, but also YouTube and podcast as well. And I did a poll on church hero of the year so far. Um, which is a pretty interesting poll because a lot of people always ask me, who do I like? Well, there's one answer to that. And like some people that I think have done a really good job so far, but except more of the, that type of extra bonus content as well uh, coming up and then some um, that's, but the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel if you are new and the Bible bash podcast, where they, where can they go? Uh, to follow and to look into more of your content. 
Yeah, I mean, you can look us up on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is where most of our stuff is happening because that's um, where it's most free at the moment and we get the most engagement. So, you, you know, you can follow us on Twitter uh, under our handle in you know, the Bible Bash podcast. And then uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Rumble. And um, you can you can also just um, get get the podcast uh, link on, you know, any podcast feed. Too. And got to send some appreciation for rumble. Cause we got a lot of viewers on rumble for, you know, it's, it's rumble. I made the stream like two minutes in advance and it, you know, we got some people on there that are, you know, YouTube subscribers, but they're on rumble. Uh, so I look as that we're on rumble too. Yeah. Uh, so I have your YouTube and your Twitter linked in the description below. Uh, and other than that, uh, have a blessed day, and we'll catch you on the next one. There will be a live stream next week, I think, not the following week because that's a family celebration of sorts. So have a blessed night, and we'll catch you on the next one.